never stop going, never stop pushing yourself. That's what's been carrying me through. And I think I've been super surprised to see that people do want to help people help people when they see that they're dedicated, passionate, professional about things. And I think coming from a developing country in the <laughs> middle of Southern Africa, I never knew this is where I would be. I'm grateful every day, but it's sort of like, you just have to keep going. And I think human beings are so resilient. There's so much strength in us that we don't really know about that we have to sort of pull through and just keep going. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, everyone? My name is Xavier Diaz, and this is a Pretty Normal Podcast, a show that reimagines what society considers normal. Each week, I interview different guests about the topics they're most passionate about. And this week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Abena Motaboli, a Chicago-based South African educator, facilitator, writer, and visual artist. Thanks to Abena, gotta give her a special shout out. She was actually the person who put me in touch with Soraya Shepard, the founder of Color Me Africa Fine Arts. So that interview was completely in part to Abena. And that's what I love about podcasting. One conversation leads to another and you never know who you're going to meet. So a big shout out to Abena for making that happen. It led me to have not one, but two amazing interviews. And it was a great conversation. Abena even gave me a virtual tour of her studio. You're going to have to go check out the visual form of that interview if you want to go see that because it was cut because there's no point in leaving it in an audio version only interview. So make sure you go to YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook if you wanna see the entire interview, including the tour of her studio that she gave me. Without further ado, my name is Xavier Diaz, and this is A Pretty Normal Podcast. You're listening to a pretty normal podcast, a show that highlights the fascinating stories and thought-provoking moments that make up our lives. My name is Xavier Diaz, and I want to hear your story. How do you use those materials like coffee tea a lot of the tea has to do with where i come from so i grew up in south africa in a tiny country called lisutu which is totally landlocked uh by south africa um mm-hmm. but a lot of like the tea use for example comes from this like colonial history or colonial past there are so many things that are part of our culture that have become our culture because of like the British people and mm-hmm. I think tea and coffee was a great example of that. And how long did you live in South Africa for? Uh, until I was 18 and then I moved here with my family back in 2012. Oh wow, so you spent like a good part of your life in South Africa and is there anything you miss from there? The people, the culture, the liveliness. <laughs> the warmness of people, right? I imagine. Absolutely, yeah. Can never change that. Yeah. Have you gone back since you moved? No, I have not. I would love to. I don't know when, especially in these times. Yeah. I think the world is so huge. There are like a thousand other places I'd love to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big world and it's hard to like to shorten your list, your bucket list of places to go to. Can you tell me about how your, your upbringing in South Africa influenced your art? Like when did you start using coffee, tea, materials like that? And, and what was the thing that first made you use it? Like, why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to try and use these materials that other people don't normally use? 
Absolutely. So, you know, the funny thing is I never used coffee or tea until I came here. Mm-hmm. I think it was in grade two when I realized that I really loved art and my parents sort of pushed me to sort of continue making art and creating and harnessing uh, the skill. But it was only when I came to Chicago, I went to school at Columbia College, Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, doing my undergrad in, in fine arts. And I, I was just looking for something that reminded me of home and I couldn't find any material that was tactile enough or that spoke to like the the idea of making out of what you have mm-hmm. um and so i think i just really wanted like a brown that was intense and i drink so much tea myself so <laughs> i had a moment i was in the studio one day and i was like oh my gosh why have i not been using tea um, <laughs> is it difficult how do you how do you use these like is it difficult to to actually get it onto the canvas and like keep it there not at all. It's very organic, uh, but I think life is very, very organic. Um, so I literally will take the surface of the painting, whether it's canvas or cardboard, and I'll pour a stain of tea. I'll let it sit and dry. I'll come back and I'll pour another stain and let it sit and dry. And then I'll come in with India ink or a different medium and sort of start painting in and pushing the lines and pushing the water. Um, it's very much like a two-way conversation. I feel like the painting's talking to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm talking to it and it's never, uh, it never turns out how I expected. I have something in mind when I start most of my paintings, um, but it's sort of like being open to that change, which I think is very much like life. Hey, yeah, you have to be open to change. You have to be <laughs> open to going somewhere you didn't think you were gonna go. And what else usually inspires your work? Absolutely. I think a lot about immigration. I think about memories i think about this sort of idea of always being in this this space where you're a person of color you're a woman you're living in the u.s uh so many topics what does it mean to be black in this country Mm -hmm. Uh, for example so a lot of these thoughts are swinging around my head when i create but i also think that i think a lot about developing countries about their relationship with the western world and how that sort of a sort of trauma that is still in those countries that people don't realize. So, for example, with tea, anytime my friends back home when I was a kid would come over, the kettle would be on. It was like four o'clock, mom comes home, the kettle's on, you're having tea, someone's over for a visit, there's tea, there are cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're using like your finest china or silverware. Um, so I think a lot of it really is like going back to my culture and thinking about the things that I had as a kid and looking for that same intensity in the things that I'm painting right now. That's awesome. And when when you came to Chicago, you you went to uh, university here. Did you find other people? Did you find anyone else from South Africa? Was it hard to find other people that, uh, you know, looked like you, that were like you, that had similar uh, background and cultures? Absolutely. I think I've only found like five other <laughs> South Africans here. Uh-huh. I'm sure they exist. I don't know where. <laughs> <clears throat> where are they at? Where are they, at? Where are they hiding? <laughs> but I had a really, a really cool experience at Columbia College. I transferred in um, and I had like three years left. I, I had really good, uh, co- a good cohort, good people to work with. Uh, and it really served as a space for me to reach out, to network and to have like the resources to create what I wanted to create. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And those opportunities in, in South Africa, like what is the art scene like in South Africa? Because I spoke a little bit with Soraya about it yesterday and how there's really really talented artists but they just can't get their work out there to people and if they do a lot of times like dealers and collectors will take advantage of them buy their work for like pennies and then resell it for thousands 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been back. I think one of my long-term goals is I do want to develop some sort of link or relationship between artists back in South Africa or Africa and the US or Europe. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of how I found Soraya and Color Me Arts uh, in Africa. Um, but I think the scene is, is it's up and coming. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's raw. But I definitely feel that I have a lot more opportunity in the US. Here, and right? Networking, in terms of sharing, in terms of advertising, in terms of selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a sad reality that it's like that because like yeah. you said like you can't replace the culture the people there yeah. and if the opportunities were there who knows if as many people would come to the US it's just okay. that the opportunities are here so you got to chase them and how did you get involved with uh Color Me Africa Fine Arts Yeah absolutely so uh it literally it was for my birthday last year Facebook has this uh option to donate to a cause that you're super passionate about Mm-hmm. And because I'm an artist I started looking for groups that involved African artists and art and I I kind of thought I've never seen anything that involves South African arts specifically with the arts in the US there's a lot on African arts there's a lot on like the uh, arts for uh, African Americans but I've just never seen anything that promoted contemporary African art that's happening right now uh so I literally did a, a Facebook search I found her um uh, I raised $200 for them and then I reached out to her and said that I'd love to meet up for coffee or tea and she was ecstatic. Um so I've been doing uh project management with them sort of helping get the back back end started up the website etc and it is very exciting. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah, she was she was a pleasure to speak with and it sounded like she had a, a vision and a goal in mind to help other African artists and that's amazing and uh, it's really cool that you could help her and that she found somebody from South Africa that she could bring on board. Absolutely. When I saw on your page uh you've displayed your art in exhibits all around the world in London, Miami, other places. When people see your art, what do you want them to take away from it? I hope that they get a sense of calm. I think first and foremost, there's so much going on in our world right now. There's so much chaos, there's so much violence, and you could sit down and think about all the things that are happening, but I really would love to instill a sense of hope and calm in the viewer, whatever mm-hmm. that means to the person. I think so much of the time even in my writing prose poetry work I talk a lot about memories about what it means to go down this like blind stream of consciousness thought and like figure out what the past meant to you and so I I sort of like to create those white spaces where people have a space to contemplate. Mm that yeah that, it's awesome and you also do performance art it's so it's not just art uh like physical art you do performance art as well how did you get into that is that something you learned at university? Absolutely uh, to be honest The idea of both sound art and performance art I knew nothing about until I came to this country. I remember uh the first time I encountered sound art it was at a place called Madame Zuzu's in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. And so Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins owns this cafe and uh he did this 24-hour interpretation of Siddhartha there. Uh and it was super experimental and I was talking to one of my friends that I was there with I was like when's the performance going to start and he's like this is the performance. So <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, some performance art is uh is a little hard to grasp. I I've, I've only seen like a couple and it it is very confusing because you don't know what you're watching at first. Yeah. But when I I watched your videos, they were actually they're really well done. The videography is great and everything and I and I like the voiceover when you can follow along to it and see what's going on. So how did you, when did you first start doing this? 
Yeah, so that I started at Columbia College. I think it was it was a really exciting experience, sort of being in a city, figuring out like everything about the art world here. I remember every weekend I'd go to a different art show. I made sure I walked to like all the ends of the trains train lines to sort of get my bearings around the city. Um, but also I stayed at the university center. So it's basically downtown Chicago. There are like six different universities put together. And a lot of what they told us was collaborate, find your tribe, collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. <laughs> and I still really adore collaboration. So I found um, a friend of mine, Brandon Jones, he does a lot of my video work. So he sort of comes from a background of video and he knows what I'm going for. And then mm -hmm. we'll have, like a super experimental session where we jot down the themes, which are of course, immigration, memories, time, space, all of this good stuff. And then yeah. I saw another one series where it was connecting with Mother Nature and and um, trying to to refine your your connection with that. Can you tell me a little bit more about your your connection with nature and what it's been like for you living in a city now where I don't know what Chicago's like, but at least here in Brooklyn, there's not too much nature. <laughs> there's definitely not too much nature. There's more nature than New York, I think. Uh, you got a huge think, lake. We do have a lake that's been. Actually, the water is a really like intense source for me. It's a source of solace. It's my everything. It's where I go, whatever I'm feeling. So it's been great to have the lake. Um, but I think I'm in love with cities. I do really well with cities, but it, it just dawned on me that there's this need more and more of us to sort of get back in touch with nature and Mother Earth. And I think coming from where I come from, I remember being a kid and being able to like play in the streets and you get dirty and it's okay because you're going to come home and have a bath and it's mm -hmm. like, just sort of like missing that connection with earth. So that's a lot of where that started. Um, and then I took some classes on philosophy. My dad used to teach theory of knowledge. So I got into philosophy super young, um, but I'm very intrigued with like Heidegger, Gaston Bachelor, thinking about different spaces, weighty spaces, whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. The feeling that you have when you're in a forest alone, the feeling when you're like by the edge of the water, thinking about like the sky meeting the water, sand meeting water, all of these things. So that was uh, very much me wanting to get back in touch with that. Hell yeah, I wanna get back in touch with nature because I don't yeah. have a car. Me and my <laughs> wife, we don't have a car, so we can't go anywhere. We're in quarantine, so even if like you wanted to go anywhere like where it's far from people, there's no public transportation right now, so it's we're just stuck, it sucks. Yeah. And I saw another theme that, that reoccurs throughout your work is something you like to call um, the voice of reason. Is this a religious thing? Are, are you religious or what? Can you explain what the voice of reason yeah. in your work is? Absolutely. Two things. One comes from religion. I'm Christian, but I also I think it's very fascinating growing up in a culture where everything is very community oriented. So there's a lot of that. The idea of what will they say? Like, what will the neighbors say? What will the people outside say? You have to, like, always make sure you're dressed well, always make sure you're in proper form, always make sure you're holding up the family's name. There's so many different topics. So the voice of reason for me in uh, a lot of the paintings is this sort of higher power or figure that sort of sees everything happening but doesn't mm -hmm. say anything. So it's sort of that touch of someone watching as things are happening. And I think so much about like global warming, for example, about environmental degradation, about how we're sort of ruining the things that we're part of, but at the same time, there's still that hope. So yeah. that's a sort of important character for me. I hope so. I, I hope that uh, we don't destroy the world too bad. And I do um, too. 
<laughs> uh, so you're religious in a sense. Are you more spiritual or like actually organized religion where like you go to church on Sundays and everything? Or is it more just what is religion for you? A say a bit of both. I think um, it's very interesting for me because I'm very interested in basis of thought or the way people think or having like the need to have philosophy, the need to have religion, the need to have something that will help you achieve like a higher sense of being. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I both am both spiritual and, and um, uh, religious. And a little bit more organized religious. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. And then back to your artwork. So because you use such um, interesting uh, materials and stuff like coffee, tea and stuff, how do you know how to price your work when it comes to like a final product and you want to sell it? Like what determines, okay, this is the price for this, this is the price for that. Is it just, I spent this amount of hours on this and this is what it is or how do you price? Well, that's uh, something that I'm still stumbling on <laughs> right now. But a lot of the time, uh, I really think about material costs, the, the amount of time that goes into it, um, how much creative creativity it took, uh, the amount of research it took, and then sort of thinking about shipping, where it's going, and how much you can uh, price your work, what you can put the value on. Mm -hmm. uh, so, that, so a lot of that for me is based on researching, researching what the value of a piece is. Uh, I just sold a piece today, which is exciting. Uh, hey. I was literally packing it before this uh, interview. Um, Congrats, yeah. that's awesome. How, has quarantine affected like just anything in your, your art world? Absolutely. Um, I think the first two weeks I was a little bit too anxious to make artwork. I was I was down. I got laid off my job, but then it's sort of like we're all in the same situation. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I've been enjoying it. I've been uh, using the time to sort of think about branding, work on my website, reach out to people. Um, I have a couple of collaboration projects in the works, trying to get sort of creative writing, the arts as well, uh, trying to get some poems published. <laughs> Just being super productive. Um, yeah, you do poetry as well, correct? You, yes, yeah. So, w which one started first, art or poetry? I want to say the art, but I think that art is very linked to writing. So, my process for a lot of the paintings does start through writing. It starts through thinking. It starts through reading about different philosophies. I remember back in high school, I did uh, IB, which is the International Baccalaureate Program. And I took arts uh, as a course, and every time before we touched a canvas, we were made to do 16 pages of research. So I really got into the habit of like wow. sort of the foundation or having some sort of conceptual background and then like understanding how to work through the painting from there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think journaling is important to me, having a diary, writing everything out, and then just letting my thoughts go. Hey, that's amazing. And then when it comes to time to sell an art piece, you obviously put in a, a ton of time on them. It's it's beautiful work. Is, is it ever bittersweet to sell it, to like send it off and be like, all right, I spent this much time with it and yeah, I'm no longer going to have it. Is there any art that you're like, you know what, this one's for me. I'm not selling this one. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. I, I definitely have some pieces that literally feel like a piece of me. They feel like a limb that I'm never going to let go of them. But I remember when I first came to the country, I went to a community college for a year and a half and the college wanted to buy one of my paintings. So it was six by four feet and I really didn't want to part with it. And I had my instructor sit me down and she was like, you know, Abena, art is something that's meant to be shared. You know, it's not something that's meant to stay in your studio. It's not something <laughs> that is for you alone. I definitely want to have like a retrospective and shows with things that I've done like 20 years from now. Uh, but I think part of the joy in being an artist is that you do get to share that and you do get to have pieces of yourself 
be out there hey. for different people. Yeah, amazing. I, I, I just know that like making like the things that are behind you or I've even seen uh, some of the work on your, your profile where it's like with wood that you, you uh, used. And I don't know if I'd be able to, to part ways with that stuff. I'd be like, you know what? This one's staying right here because I took way too long making this. Yeah, I think um, pricing it as well does come through that. If I've spent like 200 hours on a piece, of course I do want it to have that value. And of course I am going to work hard to sell it in the right kind of market where I do get a price that I'm comfortable with. Mm. And so I'm looking at the piece right behind you right now, and it looks like a heart to me. Obviously, um, art is up for interpretation. It's up to the to the viewer's eye or whatever. But when you're making it, do you have in mind specific objects that you want to like? Like, how does it, do you go about making it? Is it just you start doing the lines and then wherever the lines take you? Yeah, absolutely. I have a bit of both. So this one, for example, that's six by six inch painting, mm -hmm. and that one sort of started with a leaf. So I had a leaf and I just sort of was inspired by the lines and started doing my little scribbles of paint. And then I let the leaf go and I just sort of go on my own until I have something that I'm comfortable with. Um, so a lot of it is, uh, I think for the most part, most of what I create is very abstract. I've got something in mind, but not necessarily anything tactile. Anything concrete, great. Yeah. And then what are you looking forward to in the future? Is anything that got canceled? Well, obviously you told me you were going to move. <laughs> anything that got canceled that you were looking forward to? Anything uh, in the past quarantine era that you're looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. I just got accepted for a show. Uh, I don't want to share the details yet because I'm hammering everything out. But if it does happen, it's going to be in New York, uh, probably in the fall, which I'm very excited about. Um, hey. And then just trying to stay on top of things, selling artwork, collaborating, I feel that being in quarantine is making me want to reach out to communities more. I'm such a person that focuses on community, but I feel like there's no other time that's, that this has been this important to have that crew and to have the people around you. Mm. Um, so I guess that's pushing forward. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me about the Visual Artist Stimulus Fund? Because that's something I saw that was on your page. And then I think it's really, really important to get the word out about this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Visual Artist Stimulus Fund is a catalog put together by Michelle Roos. She was uh, one of my previous supervisors at Chicago Art Source, which is an amazing art sourcing company, by the way. Um, but so she sort of put this uh, big catalog together with a bunch of different artists, some local, others all over the US, and it's sort of to get people interested in art and sort of see how they can help, whether that's sharing the art, whether that's buying a piece, whether it's purchasing for someone else and just get that out there. Uh, so that's available on my Instagram pages. Um, I can send you a link after this interview as well. For sure. I will definitely include that in the show notes as well, because it's important yeah. to support artists during this time. Absolutely. That's also how I found uh, Luis uh, Martinez, who did a podcast interview with you as well. Luis Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, through yeah. that artist support pledge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Luis is a great guy. And it's this is why I love speaking to artists, because I always love talking about their process, uh, what it is that inspires them. And it's always just like a big community of just supporting others. It's no like competition where it's like, you know, I can't help you out because I want somebody to buy my art, not your art. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. Yep. I think that's one of one of the best things I've found in the Chicago art scene. It is very much like an incubator and everyone sort of supports each other. Just kidding. Mm. Hell yeah. And what else was I going to ask? Hold on. 
Oh yeah. Do you have any, uh, any more plans for more performance art? Like any projects that you're going to do that aren't, uh, physical art pieces that are more performative? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been talking with a, one of my friends, Alison Slack. She's a collaborator uh, I collaborate with. And so we did this piece where we woke up at 5 a.m. and had a piece of tarp at the beach and would come to it with tea and water and all these mediums because our work is very similar. So we're sort of thinking about how we can do a social distancing performative collaboration in the future. <laughs> um, and then I'm working with another artist to try and figure out how we can do a performative either video or sound piece. Uh, and come up with something. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Awesome. I, I look forward to it. I saw what was it? Um, Fragments Past. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really yes. like Fragments Past. How it was filmed. Everything about it was really, really cool. Thank you. It, what What is it about your past that like inspired this work? Sure. Sure. I think very much the idea of memories, the idea that we'd love to travel back to the past, but it's sort of like when you get there, there's something that you can't find. There are always going to be holes. There are always going to be these pieces that are so intangible. And I do um, a bunch of installation work with plastic. So they're literally hanging fragments of plastic and sound and dirt. And there's sort of like just the sense of contemplation, but also sort of trying to go back through places in your mind that are probably not there, but meant something to you at a, at a point in time. Mm, either not there or I wonder like how many people, you know, they think about things in their past and they kind of create what it was like but it actually wasn't like that you know what i mean like sure. like you know it's, uh just making an event or or a memory or something in in how you wanted it to be and then if you actually went back to find out that oh shit it wasn't actually like this this is <laughs> how i wanted it to be yeah no memory is it is really fascinating it's very interesting i think there there's a lot that has to do with the trauma of like being an immigrant and moving of coming to a different place and sort of picking up the pieces and recreating what a home means to you. So a lot of my work is also about the idea of home. Like, is, what is the home? I'm still on that quest. <laughs> home can be anywhere. It's everywhere, nowhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. home, home is where the heart is. That's what they say, but they never actually say, what, what is the heart? <laughs> <laughs> what, what advice sure. can you give to, to up and coming artists who may yeah. have never had their work in an exhibit or anything like that? What kind of advice could you give to them? I'd say network, 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 get out there, talk to as many people as you can, never stop going, never stop pushing yourself. That's what's been carrying me through. And I think I've been super surprised to see that people do want to help people help people when they see that they're dedicated, passionate, professional about things. And I think coming from a developing country in the middle of Southern Africa, I never knew this is where I would be. I'm grateful every day, but it's sort of like, you just have to keep going. And I think human beings are so resilient. There's so much strength in us that we don't really know about that we have to sort of pull through and just keep going. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much. And can you tell the listeners where they can find your work, where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got my webpage, www.abenaart.com. I'm also on Instagram at abenaart. Uh, I have my writing account at abenaartwriter. <laughs> uh yeah amazing wow thank you so much for coming on the show today and like i said thank you so much for just being open to the idea of being interviewed being open to the podcast and just open to collaboration i, I love collaborating myself like i think it brings out the best yeah. work in people uh you always find something in yourself that you didn't know you learn new skills and this was amazing thank you so thank much you. Amanda, for coming on the show it. thank you so much i really appreciate this it's a pleasure talking to you hey you too Hey, and there it is, episode number 52. 
Aben Amotaboli, special guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And a big thank you to everybody who listened this week, everybody who's listened from the beginning, everybody who's listened from the middle, anybody who just picked up the podcast yesterday. It don't matter. It's all important. And I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you to everybody who shares this show, who tells their family members about it, who might listen to it right now during quarantine to try and escape from all of this stress. Whatever it is, whatever information you get from this, I just hope that you enjoy the content that we're giving you. And my name is Xavier Diaz. This was another week of A Pretty Normal Podcast. Subscribe, share this, go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter is Pretty Normal Pod. Facebook and Instagram are Pretty Normal Podcast. So you know what to do. Go there, go check out the visual form of this interview so you can get to see that virtual tour that Abana gave us of her studio. That was awesome. So make sure you go check that out on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. As always, my name is Xavier Diaz, and this was a pretty normal podcast.